On this occasion of baptism this morning, we read the sacred scriptures in Joshua 24. Joshua 24. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it, but Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side Jordan. And they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand that ye might possess their land and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards, and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye eat. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, 
God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. You will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourself, that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord, God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us. For it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Sirah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for an hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eliezer the son of Aaron died, and they buried him in a hill that pertained to Phinehas his son, which was given him in Mount Ephraim. The text that we focus on this morning is verse 15 where Joshua says to Israel, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Joshua was very old when he spoke these words. We are told that he was about 110 years old. These words of our text are part of his final address or sermon to the people of Israel before he died. Joshua knew that he was about to depart from this life into the next. And he felt a burden on his soul to address the nation one last time. So we are told that he summoned the tribes of Israel to Shechem in verse 1. And he called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. So picture in your mind now Joshua, an old man, well stricken in years, standing perhaps on a podium, and a great multitude is standing before him of Israelites from all of the tribes gathered together, especially their leaders, their elders, their officers, their judges, standing before the old leader who had brought them into the land. And Joshua, being almost 110 years old, lifts up his voice and begins to preach the gospel to them one last time. And he says, children of God, remember all that God has done for you. God has done great things for you. God called your father Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees where he was worshiping other gods with Terah, his father, and Nacor, his brother. And God brought him out of idol worship and brought him into the land of Canaan and made promises to him and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Don't forget that your fathers were in Egypt as slaves. and God brought them out by a mighty hand. He brought them to the sea and led them through on dry ground. And he destroyed Pharaoh and his hosts in the sea by a mighty wonder of his grace for your salvation. Remember how God brought you into this land of Canaan, destroying the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. And he brought you into this land. He gave you cities that you didn't build, olive yards and vineyards that you didn't plant, a land flowing with milk and honey. He has richly blessed you. He has given you redemption and an inheritance as a free gift of his grace that you did not earn, that you did not merit. Now, therefore, Joshua says, Fear the Lord. Serve the Lord your God. Put away the strange gods that your fathers worshipped and serve the Lord. Devote yourself to the Lord and serve him with all your heart. But then he says these strange words. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Make a decision today. If you're not going to serve the Lord, who will you serve? Will you serve the gods that your fathers served on the other side of the Jordan River? Or will you serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? If you don't want to serve Jehovah, 
then choose your idols and worship them. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Those last words are essentially the words that our brother and sister spoke to us this morning when they stood up and they took their baptismal vow they said essentially the very same words that Joshua said that day those last words in the text they said publicly to us as for me and my house we will serve the Lord at Nolan and Derricka's public confession of faith they once stood up here in the church alone as an individual and they declared publicly their personal resolve to serve the Lord. Now this morning, as a married couple, they stood up together and they made this public declaration of the resolve in their heart. Each of them saying, as for me and my husband and my wife and our house, we will serve the Lord. This public declaration of our brother and sister this morning following in the footsteps of Joshua is meant to be an encouragement to us. It's meant to provoke and stimulate us all to make that same declaration out of the firm determination of our hearts. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I call your attention under the theme to the text, Joshua resolved to serve the Lord with his house. We're going to explore that a bit more in the sermon this morning. Notice in the first place from the text, his challenge to the nation. Secondly, his resolve for his own family. And thirdly, his desire for Israel's response. If you will notice, in the first part of this sermon, Joshua emphasizes what God has done for them. Then in verse 14, he proceeds to what God calls them to do. He says, therefore now, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods of your fathers. Serve ye the Lord. But then he says these strange words by which he is really issuing a challenge to Israel. He's making a proposition to them. He's putting them in the position where they must decide. He says, Choose you this day, if it is evil to you to serve the Lord. Choose you this day, then whom ye will serve. The gods whom your father served over on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. Now if we are going to understand what is going on in the text and what Joshua is doing here, we have to have a good understanding of the context. We have to keep before our minds this morning that Joshua is speaking to the nation of Israel that had just experienced marvelous works of the Lord their God. He is speaking to a nation for whom God had done great and marvelous things, having chosen them above all the other nations of the world to be his peculiar people. God redeemed them from the house of slavery, brought them through the Red Sea. He led them 
in 40 years through the wilderness and brought them to the Jordan River. And by another wonder of his grace, he stopped the waters of the river so that they could pass through on dry ground into the land of promise. God had given to this generation of Israelites the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. He had given to them victory over the Canaanites. This was the generation that saw the walls of Jericho come crashing down and the sun standing still there in the sky as they fought the battles of the Lord. This was the generation of Israelites for whom God had fought and given them victory in all of their battles. This was the generation who had received the gracious and free inheritance, receiving by lot a division and portion of the land of Canaan for each of the tribes and each of the families of the nation of Israel. This was the generation that had received cities that they did not build, houses they did not build, olive yards, vineyards, milk and honey flowing in a beautiful land, blessings freely and graciously bestowed by God. They had seen wondrous things. This was a generation of the children of Israel that had experienced one of the great victories that God gave to the seed of the woman periodically throughout the Old Testament. Like Noah and his family that experienced the great victory of the flood. Like Moses who experienced the great victory of the exodus. This was a generation that experienced the great victory of the conquest and inheritance of Canaan. This was one of those beautiful high points in the spiritual and religious life and development of the children of Israel. It was to them that Joshua was speaking. What about us? We are a generation of Christians. We are a generation who have also experienced wonderful works of God. We are a generation of those who have been chosen by God from before the foundation of the world by his free grace and mercy, who have been redeemed through the precious blood of his only begotten Son, who laid down his life for us on the cross to pay for our sins, who arose from the dead and ascended into glory. We are the redeemed of the Lord who have been saved by his Holy Spirit, who has been poured into our hearts to regenerate us, to quicken us together with Christ, and to give us the inheritance in principle, the inheritance of the real and heavenly Canaan and that regeneration life. Not what God did through Joshua, but what God did through the real and better Joshua. Jesus Christ is what we have received and what we have experienced as the chosen, redeemed, regenerated people of God. And just as God led Israel through points of decline and then spiritual high points down into the valleys and then up onto the mountaintops. There are times too in our lives when God leads us to the mountaintops of faith where he leads us through struggle and conflict sometimes, sometimes through controversy, through troubles in our personal lives, in the church, in the denomination. But through struggle, through difficulty, through trouble, sometimes through struggles with sins, temptations, 
falls. He leads us on. He leads us on. He blesses us. He raises us up to the spiritual mountaintops of faith and love for the Lord our God, giving to us a firm resolution to plunge into the future, serving the Lord. It was to such a generation that Joshua spoke the words of our text. It was to a spiritually strong, believing, faithful generation that Joshua said, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers or the gods of the Amorites among whom ye dwell whether the gods of Moab and Ammon, Baal Peor, Baal Berith, Baal Zephon, Baal Zebub, and all the other gods of the Amorites and Canaanites among whom you dwell. If you don't want to serve God, then choose which God you want to serve. This challenge that Joshua issued to the nation was a question of whom you will serve in your life as your God. Who will be your master? Who will be the master of your life? The Lord of your life? To whom you serve? To whom you are devoted? To whom you devote your life? To whom you direct all of your life? Your spiritual life? Your earthly life? Your religious life? The thoughts and intents of your heart? Whom will you serve, Israel? so that you devote yourself to that God and your worship and your adoration. You love that God above all else with all your heart and with all your soul and mind and strength. You are devoted to that God with your time, with your energy, with your money, with your effort, with your family and your relationships. All of your life is directed to this God, devoted to him, to serve him, because he is your master. Israel, Joshua said, at the age of 110 years old, after many victories and joys, whom will you serve? Every man has a God. There is not a man who has no God. Natural man is prone to serve many gods. Man by nature is inclined to invent and imagine a God for every single concern, every single fear, every desire, every need, so that pretty soon he has a pantheon of gods whom he serves, a God to give him riches and prosperity, a God to give him sexual pleasure and children, a wife and family, a God to give him health and strength in his body, a God to give him a good harvest, sunshine and rain, a God to give him victory in battles and wars over his enemies. A God to give him safety in day-to-day -day life. Every man has a God. Who is your God, Israel? Whom will you serve? If it is evil to you to serve Jehovah, then choose this day whom you will serve. If you don't want to serve Jehovah, then your only other option is idols. So take your pick. The idols on this side of the Jordan, the idols on that side of the Jordan, the idols of Egypt, 
the idols of Canaan, whom will you serve? Who is your master? But why would Joshua put such a strange challenge to a spiritually healthy and strong Israel? Having seen the wondrous works of God, having received from God the victory, the inheritance, standing on that spiritual mountaintop of faith, rejoicing to serve the Lord. Why would Joshua say such a strange thing if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord? Then choose whom you will serve. The reason Joshua does this is not because he is a moral relativist, or a religious pluralist, of which there are so many in our day and age. On practically every corner and on every street, you can find a man or a woman who will say, yes, just feel free to choose whichever God you like best. It doesn't really matter whom you serve. Every religion is a road to heaven. Every God is just a manifestation of the God that exists. So yes, go ahead, choose whichever God you would like and serve that God and be fulfilled and happy in your life. That was not Joshua. Joshua absolutely did not want them to choose the other gods. Joshua longed that they would serve the Lord with all their heart. Why then does Joshua say this to those who were serving the Lord? Because in the first place, Joshua knew the depravity that lurks even within the children of God. Even within the children of God after they have been regenerated. Even within the children of God who have the firm resolve to serve the Lord. He knew that. He knew that depravity is not just something out in the world. That depravity, total depravity, is not just the condition of the ungodly, the heathen. He knew, too, that it's not just the condition of some Israelites, knowing that not all Israelites are true, believing, and elect Israelites. But Joshua also knew that even these God-fearing Israelites who loved the Lord and served the Lord, they still had depravity lurking inside them. Joshua had seen too much. He was 110 years old. He had been around for a long time. He was born and raised in Egypt. And as he says earlier in the sermon, their fathers had worshipped and served the gods of Egypt. Joshua saw that. He saw Israelites serving other gods in Egypt. Joshua was one of those who walked through the midst of the Red Sea on dry ground. He was one of those who came to Mount Sinai with Moses and Aaron, and he saw the Israelites fall down and worship that golden calf just after they had been redeemed by God's mighty and amazing grace. Joshua had wandered with them through the wilderness. He had heard the voices of the rebels of Israel, not only reprobate people, but also elect people saying, we cannot enter the land. They're filled with giants and walled cities. Joshua was there when they finally came after 40 years to the Jordan River. And although God did not allow Balaam the prophet to curse Israel, Balaam seduced Israel 
sending the women of Moab and Midian to entice them to bow down to Baal Peor and to come to their religious festivals and to commit abominations. Joshua saw all of this. Joshua knew that depravity still lurks in the hearts of believers. Joshua goes so far as to say in verse 19, when the people insist that they will serve the Lord, he says, ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God, he is a jealous God, he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. Joshua knew that they could not serve the Lord of their own strength, in their own power, of their own will, because by nature they were very corrupt and very sinful. We must know that as well. We who have experienced such amazing things, we who know that God has sent his son into this world, who died on the cross for us and arose from the dead for us. We who believe that and receive that salvation from Christ, we who have been born again, we who do desire to serve the Lord, there still lurks in all of us until the day that we die an old man of sin. We cannot serve the Lord of our own strength. We are sinful. In the second place, Joshua knew that the land where they dwelled was a land still filled with Amorites. They had not driven out all of the Canaanites. There were still thousands of Canaanites and Jebusites and Hittites and Hivites living in towns and in the countryside. And Joshua knew that now as they plunged into a future era of their history, they were going to be dwelling in the midst of those people. He's about to die. He can no longer lead them into battle. He knew that these people of the land were wicked, wicked before the Lord, and that these people would tempt the children of Israel, would entice them to serve their gods, to marry their daughters, to go to their temples and their festivals and enjoy their pleasures and their entertainments. Joshua knew this. There was great danger in the land where they dwelled. In the third place, Joshua knew because he had seen and experienced how quickly the children of God can fall from the mountaintops of spiritual strength and vitality and faith into the valley of sin and apostasy. Being redeemed from the bondage of Egypt only a few months later, they're worshiping the golden calf. Joshua knew that. He knew how quickly one generation dies off and a new generation rises. He knew that just like that, the church can depart from its spiritual strength and liveliness and depart from serving the Lord. He felt this urgency. This urgency still exists today. God leads the church through times of struggle, battle, controversy, schism. 
And through those things, he strengthens his people through fires and trials and afflictions so that being purified, chastened, strengthened, there's a time of peace and joy and rest once again, as it were, in the land of Canaan. But we must never forget, even when the dust settles, that we're still in the midst of a wicked and perverse people. We still have depravity in us. And very quickly, spiritually strong people can depart and serve idols. Finally, Joshua issued this serious, although somewhat strange, challenge to Israel because he knew that he was about to die. He issued it with all the urgency of a man who has a pastoral heart for the flock, who loves that flock, and who urgently wants that flock to remain faithful. And that's why he warns them in the text, and he urges them, do not serve the gods of your fathers, verse 14. Put away those gods. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. And that was not all that Joshua said. Part of this challenge that Joshua issued to the Israelites that day was a public declaration of his own personal resolve for himself and his family. If it seems evil to you, he says, to serve the Lord, then choose your gods. But as for me, and my house, we will serve the Lord. How could Joshua express such a firm resolve and determination to serve the Lord? We can understand how a believer can stand up and publicly express the contents of his own heart because he knows what he desires. He knows what is in his own heart. He does not know what is in the hearts of others, but he knows what is in his own heart. He knows that in his heart he is resolved, he is determined, he is committed to serve the Lord. But how can Joshua say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Was it perhaps the case that Joshua knew the resolve of his wife as well, and the resolve of his children, and the resolve of his grandchildren. Certainly that's true. He certainly knew that. He had lived his life. He had raised his family. He had lived with his wife faithfully throughout all his days. He knew that his wife also was resolved to serve the Lord. He knew that his children were resolved to serve the Lord, and his grandchildren after him because he had trained them and raised them up. He had taught them who the Lord is and what the Lord has done. He had spoken to them of all the wonderful works of God. He had piously and religiously and diligently and faithfully trained up his children. And he enjoyed the fruits of that labor. He was privileged to hear his children say to him, Father, we love your God too. We want to serve the same God that you served. We want to serve 
Jehovah, not the gods of this land. Joshua was privileged to hear. No doubt many times as they had fellowship with each other in their home, around their table, in the Joshua home, he heard his children express that firm resolve. What a joy that is for believing parents to hear their children express the same commitment that they have to serve the same God that they served all their life. But that is not all. Joshua was also able to express this public declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord because it was Joshua's firm resolution as the head of his home to continue leading his family to serve the Lord as long as he had breath. He's 110 years old. He's not ready to stop leading his family. He's not ready to stop fulfilling his fatherly and husbandly and grandfatherly duties. He's just as zealous as ever. As for me and my house, we will keep serving the Lord. I will keep teaching my wife and leading her by word and example. And my children, even though they're already grown up and they already have their own wives and their own families, I will continue to lead them in the serving of the Lord. I will continue to teach them all the wondrous works of God, and I will continue to lead them by my example and by my word to devote themselves to God. That's my resolution. That's my commitment. So how could Joshua have such a commitment? Was he different? Was he better than the rest of the Israelites whom we just said were by nature depraved and corrupt? Surely not. What Joshua said to them, you cannot serve the Lord, was true of himself as well. He could not serve the Lord by his own strength. Joshua had this resolve and this commitment to serve the Lord because the Lord himself worked it in him. The Lord himself gave it to him. The Lord himself, who worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure, worked in the heart of Joshua, a true and living faith. And God strengthened that faith of Joshua throughout his life. And God strengthened that resolve and that commitment in this man of God to serve the Lord all the days of his life until his death. And what an encouragement that is to us as Christian men, Christian husbands, fathers, grandfathers. Men, we know very well that our commitment to serve the Lord is not from us. We know very well that we are sinners like other men. Thank God that he has given to us this resolve of Joshua. And may he give it to us more and more. May he strengthen it, deepen it, so that we never waver to the left or to the right in our commitment to serve the Lord. Today we have received further encouragement from a young brother and sister 
a young member family of our congregation who have been given their first child, who has stood up in the midst of us today and publicly declared the contents of their heart, their resolve. The third question in the baptism form is whether you promise and intend to see these children brought up in the aforesaid doctrine, to train them, to teach them, to raise them in the fear of the Lord. Is that your promise? And we all heard them say, yes. And by that simple declaration, they said to us, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our brother here has told us that his resolve as the head of his home, as a husband and as a father, is resolved, is that he with his wife Derica and their child will serve the Lord in their house. That's what they intend to do. That's their commitment for their home and for their family. Which means that our brother here has told us that he is committed to directing the whole religious and spiritual life of his home to the Lord. What does that mean? It means that he is committed and resolved to develop a spiritual atmosphere in his home with regard to all aspects of life, time, money, work, church, relationships, family, his resolve is to develop and cultivate an atmosphere in his home so that in all of these areas and through all of these things and all of these opportunities and experiences, we will serve the Lord. He has expressed to us his commitment as the head of his home and his wife has joined him, our sister here, in expressing, that's also my commitment and my resolve because they said that yes, together, as for us and our home, we will serve the Lord. In our home, we are committed then to sit down at our family dinner table at night when we eat our meal together and not like the heathens to scarf up our food and go our way and turn on the television immediately, but to sit down together and to pray together to the Lord, to open the scriptures together, to read it, to direct our faith to God, to build and strengthen our faith, to discuss those scriptures together, to be edified and comforted and encouraged and challenged from those scriptures together. And then to fold our hands with our little children and to pray to our Father who is in heaven and to pour out all of our needs to him in family prayer, to bring all our requests to him, all of our struggles and our burdens and our prayers for the church our congregation, the universal church. Pour out before him all our thanksgiving and praise and worship and adoration for all that he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Our resolve in our home is that when it comes to music, our desire is to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving praise and making melody to the Lord in our home. When it comes to music and entertainment, when it comes to the television and the computer 
and our tablets and devices and podcasts. Our desire, our resolve is to serve the Lord. And to remember when we turn on the television, I serve the Lord. To remember when I turn on the music, I serve the Lord. When we choose our podcast, it is a resolve to fasten our hearts on the Lord as our greatest treasure, as our greatest pleasure above all the things of this world, the pleasures of eating and drinking, the pleasures of money, the pleasures of work, the pleasures of entertainment, the pleasures of sin in the world, to say, no, I will serve the Lord. I will love him. I will delight in him. He is my God. That's our commitment. We are resolved. We and our house to serve the Lord on the Sabbath day. To gather up our children and put their church clothes on and prepare them to get in the car together and get to the church. That's our resolve. We want to serve the Lord on the Lord's Day, especially. We want to be with God's people. We want to sing to him all together the psalms, the hymns and spiritual songs. We want to pray with congregational prayers. We want to give our offerings to him. We want to hear his preaching to us. We with our house are resolved to train up this little one by bringing her to church with us, even from a young and early age, to hear the preaching, to grow in her faith, sending her to catechism, to young people's society, to Bible study, training her religiously and piously, educating her as best as we are able. That is our resolve. What an encouragement that is. Because when a believing brother and sister express publicly that resolve, they're also expressing to us not that we can do this of our own strength. That's not what we're saying. We know that we will fail, we know that we will fall short. We know we will not serve the Lord perfectly. When it comes to choosing between God or mammon, the Lord Jesus Christ says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve Christ and Belial. You cannot serve Jehovah and Baal. As Elijah said, how long will you halt between two opinions? If Jehovah is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. And yet, we know how often we try to serve both. And when we express our resolve to serve the Lord, we are saying, that's the deepest desire and commitment of my heart, knowing that I will fall short, knowing that I will fail. Nevertheless, that's what I desire. That's what I want. That's what I aim for. That's our commitment. Now Joshua had a very definite desire 
with regard to Israel's response. As I said earlier, Joshua was not simply leaving it up to them to choose, as if he was indifferent, as if he didn't care which option they went with. No, Joshua had a very definite desire that they would be resolved to serve the Lord. His method seems rather strange, doesn't it? When you read the chapter and you come to the text, you almost pause for a moment and think, what, what is going on here? Why does he say it that way? Why doesn't he just keep urging them to serve the Lord and to put away the idols? Why does he say, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Why does he do that? Why does he pursue that method to accomplish that goal of the response? We will serve the Lord. At first, his method seems odd and perhaps even foolish. And if you read the commentators, some would even say, it seems to us even absurd and preposterous that Joshua would put it that way. But then the commentators go on immediately to say, but it was far from that. It was the greatest wisdom on the part of Joshua. You see what Joshua is doing in the text? He's doing what the epistle to the Hebrews calls provoking one another to love and good works. He's seeking to prick their hearts, to stir them up, as Calvin puts it, to rouse them from their spiritual sleepiness and laziness. Joshua, as we said before, knew very well the depravity that lurks even within the flesh of believers. Within the flesh of believers, there is always this voice that says, it is good to serve the idols. It is bad to serve the Lord. It's always there. Joshua knew that. Joshua knew, too, that true believers have a beginning of new obedience in their hearts. And his method was to prick them right there, to touch that regenerated heart. Because when the regenerated heart hears those words, it recoils. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, the regenerated heart says, God forbid, God forbid. Yes, it is evil to me by nature, but God forbid that I should consider it evil to serve the Lord. And that was their response. Verse 16, the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. God forbid. That was the response he was looking for. He was provoking them, stirring them. Just imagine if I would say to you, as I'm going to right now, Congregation, if you do not want to come to church on Sunday, if you don't want to come here, if you don't want to worship God, 
Then choose you this day what you will do on the Lord's day. Whether it's going to the hockey game or whether it's going to the bar or to the party at the beach or whether it's going to the movies. Choose what you will do today then. Choose your God. Choose your pleasure. Choose your riches and treasures. Is that what you want? Does it seem evil to you to serve the Lord? The regenerated child of God says, God forbid. Because it pricks us. It drives us to repentance. It provokes us in a godly way so that we respond, God forbid that I should forsake the Lord and choose other gods. But then Joshua just carries on in his strange manner. And after they express this wonderful resolve, this firm commitment to serve the Lord, Joshua says, ye cannot serve the Lord. Is that the response of your regenerated heart? God forbid? Not so fast. You cannot. You cannot. This is a holy God. This is a jealous God. This is a God who demands the whole of your heart. You cannot serve him. What do you say to that? As a believer, you say to that, Nay, nay, but we will serve the Lord. We will. I know that I cannot, but I will. That's what I will do. That's what I desire. That's my resolve. And then Joshua says, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen the Lord to serve him. And you say, We are witnesses. And then he says, Now therefore put away the strange gods. Put away the strange gods and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said, The Lord our God will we serve. That's your response. As a child of God, that's your response. It's what the epistle to Hebrews says in chapter 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. That's what Joshua is doing here. That's what's happening here this morning. Our brother and sister have stood up among us and publicly declared, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What say you, people of God? What say you? This is what you say. 
God forbid that we should forsake the Lord. He has done great things for us. He has chosen me. He's washed away my sins through the blood of his son. He's forgiven me all my sins. He has given me hope. He has promised me eternal life. He comforts me. He comforts me. And he comforts me. God forbid. We, we will serve the Lord. And the narrative of scripture teaches us that they did. Verse 31. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. But we know the history that follows, the history of the judges. What say you, people of God? Say it firm resolve, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word, which is a sharp sword that touches us in a gracious way, pricks us. And we thank thee, Father, that through that word thou dost deepen our resolve as believers, that we may be vigilant in the Christian life, that we may be vigilant to beware of the depravity in us and of our enemies outside of us who tempt us, that we may be resolved with our children to serve thee. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.